Welcome to the Nerds Podcast number 758. Wow. That's right? a lot. It really I'll is. I'll just say that every time we say a number because it's always going to be a lot. <laughs> it's it's going to be more than the last be more time. Each time. Each one every be time. Every time. As we slowly creep towards a thousand. What do you got on the nerd? Well, first of all, yeah. do you want to promote anything? You guys are changing your Tampa date for we uh, are, talk we, salad Tampa and scrambled date eggs. date is being rescheduled. We haven't got that on the books uh, yet, but I'll promote the closest show first. Uh, if you're in Los Angeles or Pasadena, we're going to Pasadena. We're going to be at the Ice House on December 5th. 2015, Kevin Smith and I will be talking some salad and some scrambled eggs. It's a podcast about Frasier where we do an audio commentary for a Frasier episode that nobody asked for, and we insisted on recording anyway. But the uh, first half of the show really is just loose. It's just Kevin and I shooting the shit. It's a lot of fun. You don't have to like Frasier to come, but you do have to like us. (laughs) That's very helpful. (laughs) Um, Also, I want to say that uh, speaking of eggs, that... uh, are you going to start talking about a Twitter beef you have with someone who had an egg profile? No! Oh, <laughs> God. That could take up months. <laughs> I could just do that for months. No. Um, so Puny, which is the animation company that I bought half of with my friend Shadi Petoskey, uh, it create, did a pilot for Amazon Prime called Danger and Eggs. Uh, and it's basically, it's a kid's show. but Great I feel segue. Like, I feel like it's also for... For animation nerds and stoners, uh, but the show's really fun. Ad Bryant is in it. Um, who she, she's on SNL and and uh, and it's an it's an Amazon Prime pilot program. So if you watch it yes. and comment and rate, then the more it gets, the more chance it has of getting going to up. series. Yeah, going to series. So uh, Amazon lives in this weird meritocracy where you can just like <laughs> stuff. How dare you make and sense? They make more. Yeah. So it's called Danger and Eggs. It's on Amazon Prime. Please watch it uh, and. Uh, rate it and comment on Don't it. Don't know and... what to do with the salad and danger. Oh. <laughs> They're calling again. They're rating again. What do you got on the Nerds Community Corkboard, Katie Levine? Ron Funches, who we all love, has an album coming out this Friday. It's called The Funches of Us, and the artwork is awesome. Look at that artwork. Saw that. It's beautiful. The world has ended. It's Funches. It's him and his son. It comes out, uh, again, this this Friday, November 13th, and you can pre-order it now on iTunes or Amazon or anywhere. And also, check out the, uh, not, it was last week's episode of Chewing It with Kevin and Steve. They filmed the first week of Super Troopers 2, and they talk all about it, and it's really cool. Uh, also, if you haven't uh, downloaded the Make Tech Human podcast yet, I'd appreciate it if you would. A lot of you have responded. It's all it was one hard word. to find. It was hard to find on iTunes because I've just discovered that the way that Wired made me name this podcast is hashtag Make Tech Human, all one word. Yep, I saw that on oh, Twitter. Oh, no. So there's no way to... Well, I've gone in and just tried to fix some tags. It's going to be a little more searchable right now. But if you search one word, Make Tech Human... Download it. There's eight. There's a new episode coming we out. We dare you to find it. There's a new episode coming out this Wednesday. Uh, so if you're busy uh, listening to this podcast and you want your computer to be doing something in the meantime, maybe you download the Make Tech Human podcast. I'd appreciate it. And you know what? So would the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, well, I don't know I if don't he would really, really. Did it yeah. check out? I don't know. So would Yahweh. All right. Perfect. <laughs> uh, this episode is our dear, wonderful friend, Emily Gordon who is one of the most awesome, smartest, coolest people in the universe. She is promoting her book, Super You, Release Your Inner Superhero, available wherever books are sold now. Uh, it's Emily, available literally right now. It's yeah, so it's available good. right now. It's and amazing. Emily is so rad, and she's uh, part of the team that does um, the Meltdown with Joan. Emily is writing this season on the Carmichael show. Yeah. Oh, my Drag God. Carmichael. staff writer on that. Fucking awesome. Emily is a jack-of-all-trades. There's nothing she can't do. And uh, also, she is in the Indoor Kids podcast with Kumail. 
Jack mm-hmm. of literally all trades. The last trade was podcasting. All right, do it. This is Nurse Podcast number 758 with Emily Gordon. Katie! Now entering Nerdist.com. Lately, I've been holding mics at things, but I'm going to try to. It's just, you know, the evolution of you. How do you do indoor kids? Like this. That's weird. I feel like your arm would get tired holding <laughs> your does. mic stand up. But my biceps have been great these days. Um, so you got it. Which is just like one crazy <laughs> ripped arm from doing those curls. I'm like those creepy truckers that like one half their faces is sun damaged, but the other one isn't. Have you seen that? Just say truckers. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, what? No, a lot of truckers listen to the podcast. They're no, good dudes. Uh, on this podcast, we're anti-trucker. The only, uh, uh, no, that's uh, at Matt Myra is the Twitter, <laughs> Twitter The person who said that information? Yeah, that was the only good part of Lady in the Water was the one dude who just worked out one arm. <laughs> they could have just cut everything else out of that movie and just had been that, that one movie. character. We were doing a thing back and forth of uh, movies that take place in apartment buildings, mm-hmm. like like going trying to name all the ones we could think of, and that was one I had forgotten about that someone reminded me, and I was like, oh, there's a reason I forgot Does about that one. Count? It really bummed me out. No. It doesn't. So much of it takes place in the school. So much, uh, To me, I'm thinking... At the All-Valley Karate Tournament. The Raid. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking... Because it takes place more at Miyagi's place in the apartment. They just Absolutely. meet at the apartment and he gets his know. ass kicked. I just it. really feel like the apartment played a huge role in that movie. <laughs> I will say that when we moved to L.A., we were looking for apartments. Every apartment complex we saw, to me, reminded me of that like parched, sun-dried Well, the real complex. star of that movie was Reseda. Obviously. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think was the real star of that movie. Reseda yeah, There's hairless. a lot of those buildings around. I, mean, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Tom Petty wrote Free Fallen about Karate Kid. Oh, that would be amazing. That would be amazing if that was true. Ventura Boulevard. <laughs> Living in Reseda. Living in Re- Yeah. That's right. That song and then Cheryl Crow. Those are my only. And then there's a Mountain Goat song that talks about Los Angeles. You almost life. wonder if these people write songs on the way to the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's a Yoshinoya beefle coming up on the lake. <laughs> there's a lot of traffic. I'll be there in a minute. We don't have ways yet, but I bet it'll what be is that? <laughs> I think I just had a vision. Uh, lots of porn and hot dogs. We I'm should. so happy that you're finally on our podcast. I am too. Emily Gordon, of course, of course, co-host of the Indoor Kids. Of course. The coast, of coast, coast, and, coast, and also uh, um, your uh, your your spouse uh, Kumail Nanjiani has been on before, and Gross. He's, he's in some stuff. Yeah, and uh, and I've always adored you. You were the first director of the Nerdist Theater. I was. I was. Emily Gordon was the first director of the Nerdist That's Showroom right. at Meltdown. I don't think either of us realized how big of a job that was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> and yet you held on to it for like a year or two. I did. I did it for about two years and I, I you were like, I remember so you were like, I think it's going to be like a couple shows a week or something. I don't know. We'll just have fun with it. And I was like, okay. And then yeah, like it, and then seven nights a week yeah. of programming. Again, in addition to problems. you still uh, producing the Meltdown Absolutely. show on yeah. Wednesday nights. 
highlights. Yeah, it was a fun, and I got to come up with, and unfortunately, the the very nerdy organized part of me, I got to come up with like how the emails go out to like producers and what we need to like account for, like how many microphones need to be on stage. What the like, I got to come up with all that stuff. You know, your the the curse of being a, a well organized, <laughs> well adjusted, smart person is that everyone will lean on you to do shit. I know, so well, it's, it's kind true. of a yeah, you, you have you have Deal to, with it. You have to. <laughs> <laughs> you have to get good. You have to. Matt's having his own podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> He's just saying stuff to his fiance. But you, you know, I think you, I would imagine. And tell me if I'm right about this. Do you feel like you have to be good at saying no to things because you're so capable that you have to learn how to pick and choose? <laughs> That's a very flattering thing to say. Uh, I'm so good at stuff that like I have to get so good at saying no. But it is true. I used to I used to be so grateful for any opportunity that anybody would slide my way that I'd be like, yes, yes, always yes, always yes. I'll figure out how to make it work. Yes. And then after a while, I was like, oh, I'm hurting myself. And also all this stuff I'm doing is starting to suffer. So I have Isn't to... Isn't it strange that sometimes it's kinder to say no to things? That's what... And, and I always try to say i'm like i'm gonna be very transparent with you because if i do this i'll do a poor job you won't be happy i won't be happy i can't handle doing a poor job so it's better for me to say no and help you find someone that can do this um because i i am and i do enjoy being for a long time i resisted how organized i was but i used to like organize my stuffed animals in my bed like by how their relations <laughs> and a lot of those pictures other. are on instagram your instagram feed <laughs> right. is fucking amazing <laughs> these these adorable <laughs> pictures because it's some people some people look totally different when they're kids, but I can so much see adult Emily's face in yes. Tiny Emily. Tiny Emily, yes. Teenage Emily, I kind of disappeared in there for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but te- like little tiny me, you can see like uh, this like, hey, I'm sorry, that penguin is in the wrong place. Give me a second. I'll be right back. People should, uh, you're just a, is it Emily, is it just Emily Gordon on Instagram? No, or is it's it Emily? The Dynamite. It's the oh, the Dynamite. The Dynamite. Yeah. yeah. The Dynamite, which is also uh, your great Twitter branding. handle as well. Real terrible. Keep it across uh, the board. Should have thought that through. Sure. No, it's great. <laughs> yes, you're, 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 uh, you're one of 50 people that I follow on Instagram and I'm always <laughs> delighted by the, the old pictures. <laughs> weird. Why do you keep it at 50? It's just a nice round number. Yeah, you sure, know, it's sure. one thing like look, look I follow I follow like 700 people on Twitter mm-hmm. and it's just too much to keep up on. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of people. 50 is a manageable number well, you don't necessarily on have Instagram. To keep up on it. You know what I mean? I do. I like Instagram because it's I like it, it not only uh it's it's more engaging than just looking at 140 characters mm-hmm. of text. Well, it's a thousand uh, I, words. I love the images, and I also love the... Uh, we all were like, we're going to ignore that. <laughs> I love the images. <laughs> Matt, Matt's own podcast. Uh, but I also I, I also just enjoy... like it's, it's honestly how I catch up with a lot of people mm-hmm. and my friends and see what they're up to and where they're going where and what they they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so to me, my Instagram feed is much more personal than a Twitter feed, where it's like, oh, I kind of like that person. I'll just kind of see what jokes they tweet out. But Instagram feels much more like... You get to I, see into their lives. I want to yeah. see into their lives and I want to hang out with them a little bit. So that's why I like it. Yeah, I like... And I also have a thing where I have to get to the last picture that I remember seeing. Like, I'll keep scrolling. Mm-hmm. I can't stop until I get to that last... Same thing. And I've like I've had to pull over like while driving to be like, okay, I'm sorry, hold on. Let me just... <laughs> All right. And that's like a little thing goes off in my head. I'm like, all right, I can keep going now. I'm yeah. good. <laughs> I've figured out my Instagram. Yeah. You shouldn't Instagram and drive. I don't know if you... Well, that's probably true. <laughs> Let's say I'm sitting at a stoplight and then I'll pull over. Officer, I wasn't texting. <laughs> I was Instagramming. It's different. You moron. Get with the times, shitbag. <laughs> and I try to explain Snapchat and his head falls off. What am I supposed to do then with Then you Snapchat that? that. <laughs> Which I don't do. Do you do that? Um, I've been... 
trying to get my name on Snapchat for a while. Uh, someone was squatting it and not using it, so I'm in the process of doing that. So it's been delayed. Yeah. Um, Twitter owns them, right? No, Twitter does not own Snapchat. They're, oh. they're independent. Um, oh, that's right. You're right. I'm thinking. Uh, of, uh, what am I thinking? Vine. That's what I'm thinking. Twitter owns Vine, and they own Periscope. Uh, those I didn't are the, even those are the two that. That, that Twitter have. That's very. Uh, they, oh, they own actually. They own more than that. I think they also. I think Twitter also bought TweetDeck. They own and Kellogg uh, cereals half of uh, New Jersey, right? Yeah, Kellogg cereals this. half of New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. Crest toothpaste. They were trying to get that other kind, but they only got Crest. <laughs> that <laughs> so other kind. <laughs> they I was own trying to think of one other kind. Colgate. They own the generic bags of cereal at the bottom of the aisle. Which they are own my all favorite. Those. No. Yeah, I like a cereal. <laughs> Toastios. <in the> <laughs> Wait a minute. Sugar flakes. Come on. Who are you tricking? Come on. Me. That's who you're tricking. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I, had, I had sent Kumail a text. Kumail congratulated me on my engagement. And I sent him a very sincere text where I said, you know, honestly, you and Emily are very inspirational to me Aww. because, you, you know, you guys have been married for what? like Eight years. Eight years. Yeah. And it's you, a long time. You know, obviously you never know what what it's like when you're not around a couple, but you seem to have a very good relationship and you seem to have a very strong relationship in light of the fact that, you know, both of your careers are taking off and you still, you still genuinely seem to care about each other. And it's very inspirational to see that like, Oh, relationships can, can work. Oh, that's lovely. That makes me very happy. And also, I mean, that is congratulations to you. What a huge, Oh, thanks. It's going to be a big, yeah. big, big thing. It's going to be, well, this one's doing it in a couple weeks. Two weeks. I'll Here. get the dry run out of the way, Chris. Let, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, well, we what can, was Jonah's then? We can see what a unlimited budget would be like. <laughs> Yours is a dry run. What was Jonah's? <laughs> Jonah's was the outline. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, it's uh, marriage. It, like any relationship is, is uh, it's always got challenges. But like we kind of made a very clear decision. Like we've got to be on each other's team. We've got to be a unified front no matter what. And like we will remind ourselves that even as we're fighting Maybe as we were this past weekend in a hotel room because we didn't feel like recording a podcast with our two hours that we had to spare while we were in Austin. And uh, podcast setting up to record a podcast can really bring out the best and the worst in everybody. Well, that that's an interesting point that you bring up because the uh, um, you know one thing uh, I've, my my therapist told me something a long time ago that resonated with me. Which one's this? Is this Batman's mom? This was not Batman's mom. Okay, um, she's dead. <laughs> I didn't know if you guys knew this. The very basics of superheroes. God, so well played. There's not even anything to add to that. I mean, that's just that was just perfect. The part oh, that you missed from Martha. yesterday is that the kid who plays Batman on Gotham, okay. Bruce, Bruce Wayne, not Batman, the kid who plays Bruce Wayne on Gotham, uh, his mom was my therapist years oh. and years and years ago. Amazing. Many years ago. Okay. So that's what Matt was referencing, but you stuck the landing on that. Yeah. Beautiful. I think we should end the podcast. I mean, I don't know. I think we should just Thank stop doing, so all much. of us should stop doing podcasts altogether. That was, it's not going to get more perfect than that. If that's not the fucking AV Club quote of the week, I don't know what is. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys. Let's get that pod mask. Uh, we're, we're not cool enough for AV Club anymore. We're too mainstream. And I, honestly, you guys have moved to the point where, like, obviously, you're listening to that. Here are some other ones. I feel like that's how it. Yeah. I feel like that's what pod That's what does. it started. Yeah, know. that's what it started. As, but right? I, but I think that, uh, um, uh, that oh, that the success that a re- relationships that are successful um, stem from kindness. That when two people are committed to being kind to one another. That's what carries people through yeah. everything because the bullshit, yeah. you know there are times in a relationship where it's like ah I feel blah you just feel bad about yourself or you just feel bad in general and you're just not always super on board to have a person in your face mm-hmm. but as long as like you said 
you are always committed to understanding one another, even when you don't agree, or being kind to one another, even when you don't agree, then that's the ultimate goal. Because sometimes you just, you know, when you get to the point where you're just fighting to fight, then there's nothing is being accomplished. It's really sad. And there's so many couples that get to a point where, like, that little, like, kernel of resentment they feel towards one another. Instead of, like, making the choice to, like, no, I'm going to, I chose you a long time ago, and I'm still choosing you. They start, like, that little kernel of resentment builds up, and they're like, oh, fucking, why always you, always with you. And then it builds, and then it builds, and then at a certain point, you can't go back. Well, that's the active word, is that it, you just described a pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have a late term. You cannot go back. <laughs> <laughs> Marriage abortion. But actually, you, you can. You can. <laughs> I've done it. It's you great. <laughs> but you. But uh, but <clears throat> it's it's that idea of, and it's not just relationships, but it's sobriety. It's anything else. But I think people forget that there is an element of choosing daily. You daily Every. make the choice, as opposed to fuck. I chose that person five years ago. Look and, what I'm stuck with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As opposed to making the daily choice yeah. to be with that person and be committed and you know and i think our human brains tend to score on a pass or fail like like a 0 or 100%. Yes. But a lot of life is like 60 or 70, 80%. Like it, very few things are perfect or, not, or, or, white. Or, or or a disaster. I completely agree with you. And so i think you know sometimes when there are tr- when there's trouble in a situation or a relationship people are like oh this isn't perfect fuck this. It's yeah. like yeah, well, you know, this is kind of how life is. You have to, like, not everything's going to be perfect. You have to not obsess over that. Yeah, and I do think, and we have, I think we all have plenty of friends that have dated people, and then a week, it's like Seinfeldian, where, like, oh, her hands are too big, or, like, she smells weird when she wakes up in the morning. Like, okay, well, that can be your reason for not, like, that it's can be the reason. because of her big reason. sweaty hands. <laughs> <laughs> That's why she smells weird in the morning. Yeah, they build up little things in the crevices. Yeah. Uh, you can come up with literally any reason to, like, be like, well, this is... I got to get out of this because this person's not perfect because nobody's going to ever be perfect. But you have to like, it is like sobriety. It's one day at a time. Every single day you're like, oh, I want to hang out with you today. And you also need to be a person that someone would want to hang out with every day. Well, that's the different part. Also, a lot of times being able to say like, you know, what is this really about? Hmm. What is this really about? I'm all about the what is this really about? Yeah, because if, if it is like the kernel of resentment that's basically turned into a supernova of hatred. Yep. You know, nine months, <laughs> and then you have a beautiful baby, <laughs> a beautiful divorce baby. <laughs> then, then you, you know, it, it, is it really about you know? Oh, you left the keys over here. Exactly. Oh, goddamn keys. Yes, I always tell people it's okay to be afraid of something, and it's okay to be afraid of success, to be afraid of committing yourself to someone. It's a, but what's not cool is to come up with all these other bullshit reasons that obscure it. Like, do you, admit that it's a fear, admit that it's a whatever. I'm not ready for whatever reason, and then address that instead of like, well, another girl wasn't good for me. Right. Well, I don't know if that's exactly it. It could be. I meet so many guys that just don't want to be in a relationship, but they tell themselves that they do, so they keep dating these girls and then being like, well, it didn't work out. She's not perfect. Right. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, well, you're not either, guess, asshole. Guess what? I guess poor her or whatever. <laughs> but like, if you don't want to be in a relationship, poor that's her. perfectly fine. But that's what you need to be addressing or just accepting about yourself. Two people in a relationship need to have the same goals. 100%. They need to have the same goals. Even if they don't have the same likes on every across every bit, they need to have the same ultimate goal. Yes. And if you don't have that, that's problematic in the mm-hmm. long term. You you can deal with that in the short term. Yeah. But it's problematic in the long term not to have the same goals. But you were uh were you actually a working therapist? Yeah. Six and a half years. Wow. Yeah. Couples and family therapist, uh, licensed in several different states uh, for six and a half years. And I had a hard time working with couples because that level of acrimony was just like 
It was intense, man. How do you not take that home? How do you when someone is when someone is gushing all of their bullshit onto you and as a therapist and as being someone who's been in therapy and mm-hmm. gushed all my bullshit onto someone, I'm one of however many people you're seeing in a day or that that person sure. is seeing in a day. So how do you not personalize that? Like what protective armor do you have to keep I think my program did a really good job of teaching us uh, things that we can do to kind of wash off the day because it's and, and it's it's not insensitive to say you don't want a therapist that hangs on to your problems hardcore like people are like well that means you don't care well of course I care but if I held on to all your stuff all the time I'd be dead so we I had a very elaborate hand hand washing ritual and it sounds weird but like I had a thing I would do at the end of every session and then a thing I would do at the end of every day of like, I've got to leave this here. I can't take this with me. But I imagine it's not unsimilar to what you go through uh, after go through is not the right term after live shows when people want to kind of come up to you and talk to you because you've affected their lives. How do you not keep that with you? Well, because I, I well, that's different because okay. I'm seeing people at their best. Good point. You that's know very what good I mean? Point. Like yeah. people are coming up to me and even if they have a sad story, it's like you help me get to this or whatever. They're expressing appreciation, and I, as someone who didn't, who remembers, didn't feel like it was that long ago that no one was coming out to see me. I'm very <laughs> appreciative of it. And now it's kind of, you know, now it's sort of gotten to the point where it's difficult for me to do post show meet and greets because the theaters are bigger. Yes, and what, and everyone wants a little time. And yeah. what ends up happening is, is that out of 1,500 people, if 400 people stay, it keeps the staff at the theater for like three hours. Yeah. And then the staff is forced to stay. Then it's like, who do I service? You know, yeah. like, who am I? And then also just for me on wear and tear, I, it ha- is you know, I have to get up at five o'clock the next morning to fly back home and it's midnight. And, you know, so it's it just becomes a question of, you know. Well, I, it turns I, a two-hour show into a five-hour to okay. five or show, yeah. which, I, which I would do if I had an unlimited amount of energy and the staff had an unlimited amount of energy and didn't have curfews or they didn't have to pay everyone to yeah. stay extra or, you know, it's like the staff has to get home to their families, you know, so it's sort of a... It's, tr- it's, it's tough. It That's is tricky. Tough. So I, I don't... Uh, so in answer to your question, mm-hmm. I just feel like, you know, people are... It's not like people are are, are lavishing uh, wonderful things onto you when they're sitting in your therapy room. <laughs> You're so good at this. You're such a great <laughs> You're the, therapist. God, I have to... Oh. <laughs> I mean, I have to go home after this? Can you sign my shirt? That's no. never happening. Yeah. I never signed a single shirt as a therapist. Uh, yeah, you... And I, honestly, it may be... It may be... When maybe, someone's leaving, do I take a selfie? Yeah. No! <laughs> just a quick one. Just a quick yeah. one. Um, it maybe did make me a little... Uh, I'm so... When, when any of my friends go through anything terrible, my knee-jerk reaction is to be like... Well, that's rough, but okay, let's, let's, and I, I move, I don't even process it for myself. I process it for them and I don't even like let it affect me. And so maybe it's, it's kind of the armors, maybe still a little bit too there. Like, uh, if, you know, a friend of mine's, uh, family member passed away and I immediately was like, well, you got to grief is a process and blah. And I started going into all this and I was like, oh shit, I'm not even, this is my friend. This is their like family member. This is like a, I need to take a minute to have like, let this, I'm not a therapist here. This is my friend. So I think, um, it's maybe a little seemingly dispassionate perhaps when people have bad things happen to them because I immediately go into like, what can we do? How can we do? And, and that's not always. And then the when they start way. telling you all about the thing, you're like, you know, we're going to have to pick it up there next week. <laughs> no, we're friends. Uh, I'm going to have to go. It's been 50 minutes. Yeah. So I think, and even so I handle when, when emergencies happen, I handle them 
I kind of immediately go into problem solving and don't let myself feel anything sometimes until later because it's that's not my that's not my role right now. Um, and that's a tough thing to get out of. And maybe that's why I always kind of feel like a therapist because it, to me it's an identity that I'm not ever going to. Does it automatically make you better at your personal relationship or is it harder in your personal relationship? Ask my husband, he would say <laughs> maybe. Uh, I know not definitely not. And I'm not like. I also don't like that uh, idea that like all therapists are messes uh, as well and like just trying to fix other people so they don't have to – I think it's a combination. I'm not necessarily better at any of this stuff. I'm, I'm divorced. Uh, Kamel's my second husband. So people used to make fun of me for that. And I was like, do you want someone seeing you that is like in an unhappy, in a not great relationship? You don't really want that. You want someone who's been through life. Well, also, I mean – my guess is that you probably married young the very, first time. Very, yeah. And that's not, that doesn't. It's amazing deduction, Chris. Well, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you, Dr. Watson. Uh, but also that, you know, you can't, you can't he- hold someone accountable who's 32 for a relationship choice that they made at 20. I Absolutely, mean, like, that's, yeah. you, you know, it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. You, you have to. This is a process, and you got to learn stuff, and that's part of your process, and you figured it out, and you know. Yeah. So I think that's a silly. So thing I think too. people who ex- think that I'm going to be better at all this stuff, uh, that's that's incorrect. Uh, but I, you know, I do have I do have some tools, but that doesn't mean that I necessarily know how to. I can tell myself, oh, I, in this situation, I should do this, this, and this, and then I don't do it because it's my life, and I get to do whatever the fuck I want, and I don't have to do the right thing all the time. <laughs> so I think, uh, yeah, it, it kind of evens out a little bit. I hope. You guys have the nicest, uh, you know, many Sundays in the summer, you guys would have little pool parties. And they were small, but, you know, everyone there was just, they were, first of all, like comedy nerd dream (laughs) parties of just like the Silicon Valley guys and Edgar Wright and, you know, Lance Bangs and, you know, like all these really great. I had not thought about that, but yes. Really great, talented. (laughs) Who want to swim. Honestly, we have a resource that they want. <laughs> we have the thing that they want, which is water. <laughs> you should just test, like, hey, we're having a... Uh, sorry, the pool's not working. No pool. Anybody coming? Yeah. Uh, um, oh, I got a... No. <laughs> I really love that. I like having people over just to, like, be. I think that's a cool... And uh, I, I used to put way too much effort into, like, planning parties. And I was like, it's way better if I'm just... Like, come over, we'll see what happens. Uh, and so that's what we've been trying to do this summer. Yeah, but everyone's just really nice, and, and, and it's just a good it's a good group. I think it's a good time in comedy for good people, for nice people. It does seem to be. I feel like there is more of a, um, a focus these days on things being excited and showing passion more so than being, like, bored or uh, upset or angry by everything. And that still does well, too, but I, I like that there's, like, people who are genuinely like a puppy dog excited about things, and that's what they're basing their their work on i love that yeah yeah and uh, and i think that you know those 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 interactions because people come over and then it's like oh well let's go to dinner or let's go to somewhere else i don't know i really sense the community behind it and it's and it feels nice to it's not like i hang out with those people every night but it just feels (laughs) it just feels nice to just feels nice to be in a good community of people that you respect but also feel like oh i really I love your work, but I also like you as a person. And, you know, we're all kind of in the same boat, you know? It's like the us and the Garfunkel and Oates and then the Tasha Lizard. is in Emily and Kumail's pool. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) We're all in the same pool, I think. We're all in the same pool together. (laughs) Although I've not been in your pool yet. You actually haven't gotten in, no. no. Sometimes I just don't feel like getting wet. I get that. Although we just got a house that has a pool. You did get it? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we just got a... That's very exciting. I know that's what you're talking about. So we're going to... We'll trade off with you. We're downsizing, huh? Yep, that's right. <laughs> We're downsizing. 
I had never in my life had a pool, even a little bit. I went to a community pool growing up, and like the idea that I I can, yeah, I know it was. Band-Aids everywhere. There was- oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Band-Aids and weird guys making weird. The guy who was the lifeguard was also our substitute bus driver. His name was Stone. I swear to God. And we all were in love with him. Slash, he was creepy to us. But Slash, he was paying attention to us. It was a weird, it was a very weird time. Uh, so th- that's how I, that was the only pool experience I had growing up was like going to that. And then Stone. <laughs> he had a mullet and one earring. Sure he did. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. North Carolina. What are you going to do? Oh, man. So, North, so you grew up in North Carolina. I did. Which uh, you've shed any trace of anything. If I'm angry, uh, it comes out. Or if I'm really tired, I'll start talking lightly. It's a little do bit you really? I get my accent will come back a little tiny. But does yours ever? Um, no, I don't think so. I, don't, I, don't, I never really had one. Because yeah. I moved. I was born in Kentucky and then lived in Florida for a couple of years. And then when I was like... Eight, we moved. Then we moved to the. We moved to Arkansas for six months, and then Memphis. And I was so I was in. I was already a formed little person yeah. by the time I was actually living in the deep south. So many parts of the south, though. Yeah, I know, I know, and that's why I always just say when people go, "Where are you from?" I go Memphis because it's just easier mm-hmm. than I was born in Kentucky. I lived in Southern Florida, Central Florida, <laughs> Ar- Arkansas. <laughs> Denver, Memphis, but you know Memphis was outside of Los Angeles. Memphis was the longest chunk of time. Yeah. So I and also the most developmental and the most like noticeable. Like that's the city people know. You yeah. know what I mean? Like oh Memphis, I get a yeah. sense of what that looks. Yeah. Like. And my yeah. dad still lived there and, <clears throat> and and now lives there forever. Yeah. Um, because he's not alive anymore. Him and Elvis Aaron Presley. Yeah. Him and Ar- Elvis Aaron Presley. They're right there. Right there. <laughs> I like that one. you use the middle name. Yeah, that doesn't not? happen that often. King deserves it. <laughs> Think about it. His middle name is Aaron. A A R O N. What if his Two name? Stones spelled wrong guys if he's just Aaron. he's not really in there what? he's not where is he he's in there he's he, in they there. say he's in there but he's definitely in there the whole theory of elvis being still that was alive. the guy alive. that we yeah. like picked we were like he's the one for whatever reason he's alive we watch don't know the why the fucking 68 comeback special i, just I watched have watched it. It. i just watched it it's a couple so weeks good ago i'm like it's like oh that yeah i is get that it the black leather one or yeah, the white that's the, the black, black leather, leather one Whew. That's the fucking, he hadn't been around in a couple of years, and then he just shows up with his buddies and uh, just fucking rocks it on NBC. He really does. But if you think about it, the amount of stuff he did to his body to get ready for that is really bad for him. And I was like, maybe you should have just not done that, and we could have kept you around longer. (laughs) Well, yeah, but it was everything that happened between then and, you know, was it 74? 72. 76. When did he die? 76. Maybe it was 76. Yeah, I think you're right. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Because he had a... Uh, Martin D35 Bicentennial Edition, which was released in 1970. Oh, who's Sherlock now? <laughs> is that a guitar lock? Is that a bicycle or a? It's a guitar. Oh, okay, fair enough. I only remember, <laughs> I only remember because I was old enough. Yeah, he had a bicycle on stage. <laughs> ding, 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 just like Auga. Hey, you guys, we should start bringing these bicycles on stage now. People really like these bicycles. <laughs> and every woman's like, "I'll be the seat." It's All right, fine. King. Yeah, whatever you want, eh? <laughs> but it, I just I remember. I remember we were my dad didn't like flying so we drove a lot of places around the country you know because my dad would do these bowling exhibitions and stuff so we'd drive all over the country he was on tour and I remember being in the car when the announcement was happening and my parents just being like what the fuck you know I mean Mm. when the death announcement was happening oh no wow yes And and I said uh, my mom said that I said something like really creepily wise as a five year old which was Something to the effect of, I bet he got laid a lot. <laughs> you saw all the, well, there's going to be more pussy for everyone else. No. Uh, <laughs> I said um, something about that it would have been difficult for the world to have handled an old Elvis. 
Wow. I know. That was Fine. crazy. Very well done. I think I was possessed. <laughs> uh, by Elvis. <laughs> by Elvis. Hey, can you take it on my man? Yeah, you know, I just take it out. I don't think I, I, went, I can be I went a little bit. The, uh, they, have the, they have a Graceland traveling exhibit that's at the Westgate in Las Vegas right now, which was the old Hilton, which was where he did his show. And they let us, uh, they took us back to the theater and they were like showing us the spot where he would pray before every show. Like the wood is still worn real? out. They didn't paint, paint that part. Do you think his his religiosity was real? Yes. Okay. Because I you got to go through his whole early upbringing, and of course it was because he's deep south. Yeah. Baptist. You think Kanye's still religious? Really? I have no idea. I, I don't can't, know. Can't yeah. speak for Yeezy. I just think it's interesting. All these guys that start out religious and then they get super famous and then they just go like ape shit and have this like baller lifestyle. Elvis Are they still kneeling? 77. 77. Okay. Still checks out with the bicentennial edition. Of 100%. It absolutely does. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if, they, if they're still... I mean, you know, sometimes when I hear politicians talk about God, I kind of feel like, I don't believe that you think oh, that. No. You're <laughs> saying that because you know you that... You want the people to vote for you. That yeah. The, that. Uh, yeah. The cool thing about the... He lived in the penthouse of the Hilton. And he had an elevator in his penthouse that would just go down and open up to the backstage area. Ooh, that's cool. And like there was a gunshot in the in the elevator because oh, because the... it was taking too long. You <laughs> so saw the gunshot? The that's so elevator. cool. <laughs> like, I fucking love Elvis. <laughs> like you know, no one says shit to him. It was fucking Elvis. This is how I feel. Especially at that time. Yeah. yeah. When people, when fame really meant yeah. something great, where it's like, those those people could get away with everything. Literally everything. Uh, Would he have come on your podcast, do you think? Oh, I wish. I don't think so. He did, like, musicians, we I feel Paul like it's McCartney. a different... We could have gotten Elvis. That's true. Paul McCartney seems pretty well adjusted, though. Like, yeah. Elvis would have had to have gone through a major emotional life transformation. Oh, that's exactly when you would get him, right after that. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. But I think... You know, when you when you kind of look at, I think when you start doing the social math of what he was embroiled in and the people that were controlling his life and the drugs that he was on and the, he clearly needed real therapy. Yeah. He clearly had a lot of mom issues and dead brother issues and That's fame right. issues and even being famous at that time and also going from, you know, it's, it, I think it's more common now for people to talk about their feelings, but to go from... You know, like the hottest, sexiest, most perfect everything to this kind of like tubby guy who was trying to squeeze into these suits you know in, in a time when music was changing. Yeah, and, vis- and becoming more he visual. Just, he just would have needed help to get out. It just when you do all the social math, you're like, boy, it all checks out that he was going to kill himself sooner or later with some hor- horrible thing. He never bummer. got that big. Like if you look at him, like even they have his like they had all his like jumpsuits there in the in the cases. I those things are always upsetting. I'm like, really that small? I'm like, yeah. Everyone? His waist apparently was always like 34 inches. Well, it's not that it's not that he yeah it's not that it's not that he was a you know he was a massive guy, but I just think dealing like just aging just aging naturally. It's hard. And having been, you know, like this image, this image of himself that everyone had, and obviously that wasn't going to last, and how do you... I mean, who does that gracefully, though, besides, like, Paul Newman? Almost Uh, no one. Alec Baldwin, I think, did it pretty well. He's done a pretty good job. He's not even... I don't even think he's aged out of being awesome yet. No. Like, he's not dealing with any of that. We were talking about how Gary Oldman, in my lifetime, has gone from being sexy young guy to being, like, playing dads. Like, in Granddads, like, I've watched him become... Like, start playing different roles. He's not, like, a hot guy anymore. He's, like, fucking commissioner. Like, he's, like, he's... Johnny Depp. Yeah, He's fucking still nailing it. Tom Cruise is still nailing Tom it. Tom Cruise is so still nailing He's it. 
Yeah, he really is. Bizarre. I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. But that would be a bummer too. I mean, stuff like Kurt Cobain, any of these guys, like to see them getting older is such a. We don't want that as a people. We just don't want it. Like it's I upsetting do, to I us. do wonder what like he just it would have been his seventy fifth birthday. I do wonder what seventy five year old John Lennon would be like. Yeah, you know, probably Buddhist. I feel like they would all would go Buddhist. No, <laughs> I, I honestly, I think. Do you think? Do you think John Lennon would have turned into like crazy old Ted Nugent guy? Mm. No, really? No, I don't think he would have gone right wing. No, he's got some. He had some hate in him though. But he yeah, was. But... He was. He he said like. Some of the accounts make him sound like he might have been kind of a dick. Yeah. And, oh, he was and, kind and, of a dick. And, yeah. and kind of going through, and it seemed like he was going through identities that were appropriate for the time. You know, would you know? was he going to be the Imagine guy forever? I don't know if he would have been the Maybe Imagine not. guy forever. But he had Yoko, though. I feel like Yoko would have tempered him in some direction at all points in time. That would have kept him from being Ted Nugent. He would have dropped her in 84 and the Beatles were united in 85. That's what would have happened. <laughs> Central Park concert, 1985. You've got this? You've retconned well, all this? Well, you know what's funny is they, because they were, they were having some uh, money was tied up all over the place with the Beatles and they... Michael Jackson in, had all the in, songs. In uh, 70... <laughs> In 79, a team from the Beatles side of management got together and was looking into, seriously looking into a uh, Central Park concert for the Beatles. Wow. So would it have been like a monkeys reunion or would it have been like a... What do you mean? Well, the monkeys Another reunited in the, in the 80s. 80s. After they showed them on MTV. On MTV, they yeah. reunited in the 80s and had this really successful tour, but they were basically just playing old songs. Do you mm-hmm. think the Beatles would have written new songs? They probably would have. Of course they would have written they new songs together. Because all they do. Because Paul, that's all Paul. Yeah. I mean, listen to fucking George Harrison's last album. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. But I wonder if like in any relationship, aha, and this goes back to the thing. <laughs> Segway. <laughs> well, this goes back to the thing, of, to just the thing of, because mm-hmm. uh, a band is now a four-way relationship in their absolutely. case. And there's no, I think there's no way at that point they could have had common goals. And there, and and I think the only re, the only goal at that point when people drift so far apart, so you look at the Eagles as like, or the Police, it's like, well, money. Yeah. You know, like they have this common goal of money. They still can't stay. They still can't mean... bear to be on stage with one another. Well, that's what happened to the. I mean, that's why the anthology happened. Was they were like, we should probably do something now to make money to make money we don't or 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 it would have been possible that you know as they got older they were like yeah fuck it let's just go back and do, i would imagine do it time again. would heal some of those wounds of like just being in someone's face every well, single day you know you would want like... to because paul yeah. seemed like actually not knowing them really personally mm-hmm. but it seems like george seemed like a pretty cool guy paul yeah. seemed like a pretty cool guy ringo seems like a pretty cool guy if John came around and ended up being a pretty cool John's guy. Fine. John and George and Ringo would play on John's records. Now, are these the Beatles we're talking about? Those, okay. those, those Georges <laughs> and those Ringo you know, would play on John's records. And, and, and uh, the only, I mean, honestly, the only person they never really collaborated with afterwards was Paul. Yeah, that's interesting. I know, and I'm more of a Monkees fan, and people want to kill me. When, more of a Monkees fan than a Beatles fan. I'm a huge Monkees fan. And um, so you think Mike Nesmith is Paul of the yeah, Monkees? He was the one that was like his. He, he got butt hurt by a lot of stuff in that mm-hmm. band, and he was like, "I just don't want to deal with this anymore." I mean, yeah. I mean, have you guys seen Metallica? Some kind of monster? Of course. This is an amazing documentary of like a therapist that goes on tour with Metallica, um, and it was my dream job. <laughs> when I thought I was like, okay, that's what I you could do, do that. <laughs> Oh fuck! I was just talking to these. Well, what the, were the, they? What, didn't they say what they were paying him in the? Oh, I don't remember that. I, I actually like don't they remember were that. Paying him like a half a million dollars. Sure. Yeah, I would have done it for free, uh, and not even for Metallica. I love that. Like, no, I'm, no, 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 no. Yeah. What you say is Metallica. I'll do it for two fifty. <laughs> 
I would have done it for Metallica. I still would. Like, Give me a call. Uh, I just love that idea because it, it is just like a family or a relationship, anything else. It's people that, you know, have to work together. They're, they're bonded by one specific thing, but that doesn't mean that they don't have a million. Everybody brings their own baggage. Everybody brings their own shit to every interaction they have. Every interpersonal dynamic is, is affected yeah, yeah. by the shit that you bring to 100%. it. 100%. Can you fit all the baggage in the store? In the, Can you hold in all the yours? Bin? Can you hold all yours? And, 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 it, and it really does come down to goals. And I think that's why it's important for people to periodically ask people just don't ask questions they don't they don't ask good questions yeah even questions of yourself you know is this still what i want if it's not how could it be what i want what do i want you know like that, that people rarely stop to ask those questions and they're such important such important questions this is and i i this is going to be one fuck of a segue but the the book that i wrote that is uh uh it's called super, super you. you yes uh my biggest thing that i got out of it was both writing it in, in living and also in writing the book is this idea of intentionality of, of always, always stopping to question yourself, always stopping everything that you're doing, constantly asking yourself, is this actually what I want? Is this what someone else has told me that I want? Is this what society is telling me that I want? How do I figure out what I actually want? And then how do I get the thing? Because wanting something and then trying to get it are two different things. And people will tell me all day long about things they desperately want, but they're not ready to make efforts to actually get the thing they want quite yet. That's also fine. Just knowing where you are. And knowing that even if you're making a good decision or like a very self-destructive decision, that you're making, you're, you're driving the boat. This is your boat. And refusing to make decisions is also a decision. Well, I think also your, sometimes your higher brain functions, I think, I think sometimes you change and you don't realize that you've changed because, you know, look, there's so many things to do in a day to just live life now. Yes. And so you set a lot of things on autopilot. Autopilot, that's exactly right. And... And sometimes you really need to stop and go, oh, do I still feel this way about this thing? Yeah. Or is that just an old autopilot setting? Yes. Because it's, it's so simple. You know, people are always looking for external things to change them or make them feel better when sometimes it's as simple as just asking yourself a good question and coming up with the answer and going, oh, my God, to have that epiphany yeah. moment. Yeah. And you know? sometimes it's not even epiphanies. It's like sometimes it's about just these little hints of knowledge that you're getting day to day and being like, well, maybe I'm going to try something different and see how it feels rather than waiting for inspiration to strike and changing. Sometimes you kind of have to start making the changes, see how it's affecting you and then be like, it turns out this was probably a good idea. Well, I think social media is, I think people use it in an ineffective way, which can be sometimes running around to everyone else and going, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Validation. And not just stopping and being still for a second going, What's wrong with me? Like, what do I want? Like, going inward just once. You yeah. know, sometimes people don't it's do that. It's scary in there. It is scary. Yeah, it's sometimes, real dark in there. <laughs> well, because sometimes, you know, you might get answers back that you don't... Absolutely. You don't want to deal with. You don't want to think about. You don't want to deal with. You're not ready for. And all that is okay, too. But address the problem as it is instead of being like, well, the issue is that I'm not... No one's calling me back about the packet that I sent out on this TV show. No, part of the issue is that you're very scared to get this job. You're very scared what would mean if you got rejected you actually got rejected for something you really want to do. Well, then deal with that fear. And don't, right. like, that's a different, let's deal with the fears that are inside that we can do something about and not the, all the external things that are freaking us out constantly because we can't do anything about those. How long did it take you to write the book? Uh, about five months, a uh, couple hours a day. And, and, the, and so the point of the book really is, it is a, I mean, Super You is pretty, it's pretty much in the title, like yeah. how to be a better version of yourself. Yeah, how to like figure out where you are, figure out where you'd like to be, and then how to kind of take concrete steps in that direction. Uh, because I feel like for a long time, I just didn't know who I was even a little bit. And uh, so I couldn't even figure out where I wanted to be because I just was so kind of lost. 
uh, within myself. So it's it kind of it's a little memoir esque, but it really is kind of more of a self help book than anything God, it's else. So interesting that just the path that you've taken, where you were a therapist, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you started getting people started learning who you are because of a, po- a podcast about video games <laughs> and a, and a Wednesday night comedy show <laughs> that became a TV show, yeah, yeah. and then you were able to use that to go, oh, here, this is this other. Thing that I'm into, and I'm going to make a book about that because yeah. it would have been—I'm sure it would have been very easy for you to write a book about video games or a Which book is about. What they were trying to get me to do, yeah, yeah, how to be like a better nerd or whatever. And I was like, I can't. That's not. I like first off, it's been done. Yeah, and it, people, other people have done it fantastically, and it's not. I don't. That's not how I see myself kind of doing contributing to the world. That's not it. Um, I will make a podcast about video games till the end of time, but that like writing a jokey book about like nerd culture's taken over. Like I, eh, that didn't appeal to me as much, but I kind of made a decision a couple of years ago once I moved to LA and I was feeling very kind of, uh, I was kind of in an identity crisis. I hadn't started Meltdown yet. I hadn't started working, like running the theater yet. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Had a conversation with a stranger at a bar and she was like, seems like you kind of want to be doing something in mental health. And I was like, fuck, that's right. (laughs) Damn it. And even if that just started out with writing a blog, like having my own blog where I talk about mental health stuff and then that tripping into writing stuff for other websites about mental health and that tripping into, I was like, yeah, everything I do, I want it to have some sense of you're not alone. Some sense of that tinged somewhere in there. And I've tried really, really hard to do that as much as I could. What do you think is the biggest challenge that people with mental health issues face? It depends on how... I think that feeling like... You're both special and you're not special in that, yes, you're, nobody else has lived life exactly as you have, but you're not the only person who struggled with feeling like a failure, feeling like a fraud, um, being terrified, being depressed, being anxious. A lot of people have experienced this. A lot of people have felt like everybody else is doing great and I'm doing terribly. A, most of us have felt that way. And I think what mental illness and what emotional uh, not health, whatever the, that term is, I should know that as a th- former therapist, but... Um, <laughs> emotional not health. Emotional not health. What it wants is for you to feel alone. It wants to get you alone because that's how it can eat at you. And that's how it can kind of uh, feed on you. And don't let it let you be alone. You're not alone. You're like, there's so many of us and there are so many communities out there. Thank God to the internet. Thank God to all this stuff that you can find other people feeling as you are. Um because you're not alone. Yeah, who the fuck does Elvis Presley talk to? Exactly. To, that relates to him. Yeah. That well, celebrities are different. That's for. that's that's a funny thing. George Harrison said that in the in the Beatles anthology. He's like, I always felt bad for Elvis. Yeah. Because with Elvis, he had no peers. He didn't. If, with us, I could just talk to John or Ringo or Paul. But with Elvis, you just who do you turn to? Yeah. Nobody. Who do you turn to? He doesn't like his family. CB gang. No family. It's, you know, everyone's gone. Like, yeah, I mean, it's and who else can understand that level of you know? No one else can come in and go. I totally get it. No, yeah. you, no, you don't. Yeah, and that's true. Uh, Elvis was alone, but he is. <laughs> Elvis was alone. But if you're not Elvis, you're probably not alone. <laughs> Everyone who is not Elvis. <laughs> so lucky for all of us who are not Elvis. Yeah, you're not alone. You're and and. Uh, no, what you're going through, wherever you are, is where you're supposed to be right now. It's okay. You're not, they're not doing anything wrong, but you can also feel better. You can feel better. You can live better. You don't have to, but you can if you want to. It is, it, it's, sometimes it's hard when you're in it. And I think that's the, that's sort of the, um, that's the Sarlacc pit of depression, mm-hmm. which is, and anxiety too. Anxiety, every time it's happened, every, every time I experience it, and I'm getting better about it now. 
but recognizing that it's just a that it's just a thing and mm-hmm. not because you're with depression, you know. When you, I guess you know, when you're in it, oh well, this is this is it. I don't this know how to get out of life. this. I don't yeah. know. With, with anxiety, it's oh, I know the other times that was just a fake anxiety thing, but this time it's real and it's <laughs> real and it tricks you every single time. Yeah. And that's what it's almost like. Um, the biggest struggle is the illusion that it's that it's like everything that it's everything, yeah. and you can't. Oh, I know I got out of it before, but but this time that's not gonna. This yeah. one's different. And a lot of the times it's not different. <laughs> you know, it's like it's the same. Yeah. And being able to even recognize it as a pattern sometimes is enough to sort of help you just get a, enough of a boost. A foothold. Just a yeah. tiny foothold to climb out of that pit. Uh, because it isn't forever. It is just right now. But I have that thing, too. Where Whatever I'm feeling right at this moment, that's how I've felt forever. That's how I'll feel for the rest of my life. That's it. And you have to kind of back yourself away from that and get a little objective distance. I talk about that a lot of like you need to be able to kind of look at your life almost like a reality show sometimes. And some of us are too good at it. And that's a problem, too. But like being able to step outside yourself and be like, OK, let's take a look at what's actually happening. If there was like a reality show filming my life. Would it see that this is how I've been forever? Would it see that I'm having kind of a shitty day and that yeah. maybe I should just wait until the next day to try and like figure out what things are going and being able to back away just a little bit and kind of get some distance and kind of see your life as objectively as possible, which is very, very hard to do because we are so in it, um, has helped me tremendously. Because when I, I used to call it the wallow, I would like whatever I was feeling, I would I would wallow in it. I couldn't feel anything a little bit. I, I like everything was like, oh God. Like I just was like, <laughs> I cry in English class, like just over a boy that I could not give a shit about. Like, why am I crying over this guy? I think I, uh, I have a wealth of emotions <laughs> and I've learned to kind of be okay with it now. But for a long time, I just, I felt like I was drowning in them a lot. Yeah. And how did you? A uh, very long. I, well, for me, it took going the opposite direction, clamping down on them for years and not letting and intellectualizing everything, not letting myself feel anything, dating circus performers so that I had no chance of them hurting me because they were I didn't take them seriously. I wasn't taking myself seriously. <laughs> yeah. Cult members. I had some. <laughs> oh, my God. I dated dudes for the story for like a while. And Are I you think, serious? Oh, big time. And God bless those guys. You're all great if you're listening to this. Uh, <laughs> but they knew what they were doing. They're cult. Like one guy would like pretend to like uh, guess what I was thinking like a number I was thinking and I'd be like oh my god you're right oh my god but he wasn't the number of course not (laughs) I wasn't psychic he was just like a bored guy (laughs) what's fine Uh, and I think and then I I just had this very icy kind of detached from my emotions completely and then I kind of slowly kind of started letting them back in but for me I had to go through that I had to like realize I could make my emotions my bitch and kind of put them in this little hole before I let them start advising me rather than driving they should be in the passenger seat. I always put them in the driver's seat. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Even just those subtle, subtle thought shifts can help change the way, yeah. you know, it might seem dumb to go, oh, I'm just going to visualize that this emotion is in the passenger seat of a car, but then you do it and you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, that actually kind of helped. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. I, when, I, when I was getting over um, uh, fear of flying. You had a fear of flying? Oh, sure. Yeah. For years for years i got over it i mean like i had to work through it poor career choice for you buddy well but that's the thing that (laughs) kind of made me go have to choose to not where i had to go like well i i'm going to do stand up on the road i can either get over this or every time i travel it's going to be miserable and i don't have that much emotional energy at all and so i found this really great program called fly calm and it was really great i would just listen to it on the plane when i was getting on or and and it really helped and sometimes i still listen to it just because i like it like i just got used to it um but but there is something in there there's something in the program i think i just got it on itunes 
But there's something in the program where, you know, it, it tells you to visualize taking all of your um, worry and fear and all your emotional stuff and, and sticking it in an overhead of compartment and closing the door. Ooh, I like that. And so even just visualizing doing that, yeah. it weirdly just helps you. So- it, it sort of works. Yeah. Like, and, you know, it's incremental. But every time I, you know, every time I would, I started flying when I was actively trying to get, it just got a little bit less and a little bit less and a little bit less. And then after, you know, after a few months, after a year. Fit under the seat. Yeah. (laughs) That that didn't fit under the seat. It was in the overhead. You had to check a couple of them. In the overhead (laughs) compartment. And also in my brain, the airline was charging me for all of the... All of the worth extra everybody. emotional baggage. Yeah, totally worth it's it. Worth you know, they got to yeah. make money too. Yeah. So, um, and I think that incremental thing is important because I think people think when they make changes, if it doesn't work 100% the first time, they're like, well, fuck it, I tried. Well, you're setting yourself up for failure. 100%. Um, when, you know, if you kind of do this thing, especially like fitness is the easiest example where you go, oh, fuck, I haven't worked out in a long time. And you're like, I'm going to work out 10 times this week. It's not healthy. No. Not only is it not healthy, but it also, you're probably not going to stick to it. Because you're miserable. You're going to be miserable, yeah. and it's going to be awful. So you got a, a you know, little bit of incremental, like, oh, I'll just, you know. Because if you just make incremental changes, small changes that are easy to manage and are digestible, you, you will – the cumulative effect will be once you figure out how to manage that little bit, then you can add on something else, yeah. and then you can add on something else. And, and it won't even feel – like work at that point. It's like, oh, I've got this out. Maybe I'll just try. Maybe, yeah. maybe I'll work out twice a week. You know, yeah. like it. It, but yeah, I wouldn't say like, don't quit drinking, quit smoking, change your diet, and start exercising five times a week in the same in the day. Same way. And if you decide to do that and decide that that's how you're going to approach it, maybe you're not quite ready to let go of those things. You know what I mean? <laughs> like maybe you're. That's your way of being like, well, this will fail inevitably. Well, that also be- that also that that also has the undercurrent of like, oh, you just need to obsess over things. Sure. As opposed to, you know... That's very true. If you really want success in this area, then you need to... It needs to be... And that's very difficult. It's very difficult for me. It was very difficult for me, you know, because the the alcoholic brain isn't just about drinking. It's about, like, there... I approach that... I want it. I yeah. want it all. <laughs> well, there's, there's a lot of things that are sort of, like, obsessive thought. And, and I really had to learn how to... Even in relationships, you know, when I... I used to sort of crave drama and i think it was sort of a way of getting a high oh the yeah. same way with alcohol it feels great and then you know someone cares yeah you're sure that they care because they're making a big fuss and that's how you know and there's passion oh, and there's yes. like oh and then there's making up and yes. then there's that you know yes. and and learning to just be still and calm and you know like lydia's is so easy to be around and that was kind of maddening at first because i'm like oh there's no oh it's oh it's fine it's okay oh it's okay just to you know I'm one of those two <laughs> I have no problem too. it's really you know in the like the year we've been together i can't i don't think i i think the biggest altercation was something like hey what are you oh this is silly you know because we because like you said we sort of have those goals of like you know, we both had troubled relationships in the past, and we both you both grown ups, and we both were both grown ups, and we both just want like our goal is to you know, hey, we just want to be happy together and understand each other and have a good relationship, and, and so own a publishing empire. <laughs> <laughs> a couple things on the list. Well, I, I can't, I can't give her a publishing empire. So, oh well, she's very, okay, fair enough. Yeah, although I'm gonna, I'm gonna make her sign a prenup for my adorable TV. <laughs> Gonna be so cute when the Hearst lawyers look that over. You guys, I'm gonna gonna make her sign a prenup on Hello Kitty (laughs) stationery. 
It's so adorable. We're like, I gotta keep all my Doctor Who shirts. You don't have, you don't get a single one of those. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> and then you know something terrible happened. I'm sure their lawyers would be like, we found a loophole where you can get all the shirts. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's but, so fun. But, but I think just sort of you know learning to be calm is is a, is a and appreciating calm and appreciating yeah. calm and not being bored by calm and not just not being self destructive with calm because you need to you know like up and down and up and down. It's not not having that. I I realized that 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 there was an emotional drug behind that, and I go, well, fuck, of course, it's connected to all that other yeah, shit. Yeah. But I don't think I would have done that if I didn't have regular therapy and i tell people even when you don't think you have a problem it's important Mm -hmm. because you need it's important for you to sit down with someone on a regular basis and say whatever is on your mind whatever you're feeling without fear of judgment Mm -hmm. and someone who has the experience to reflect some things back to you and get you to ask good questions and explore it's really it's It's really helpful when you're doing well to me it's like a it's like a massage when you're doing well and then it's there when you're not doing as well and it's like a relationship like no other none of your friends it's none of your friends like a chiropractor when you're not doing well oh i'm fine uh it's not any it's not your friend's job to like just listen to you talk and never have any like any of their own stories like right. yeah and if your therapist is ever telling you about their lives get another therapist that's not uh some you can develop a personal relationship with but it's not a two-way street it is a one-way street 100 percent, and you never get a chance to have that in life what a lovely thing that we get to actually experience that uh everybody should be in therapy all the time that's funny that you say that because you know um because uh, if i when i talk a lot a lot of my therapy sessions are by phone just because of my schedule and so you know, she go, how are you doing? And I go, oh, I'm doing okay. How are you? And she was like, we're here to talk about you. Exactly. You know, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of that's right. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. I, yeah, it was, and sometimes it's a struggle, but if you, the only thing that makes you a good therapist is that you've had personal experience in the same thing. You're not that great of a therapist. You should have more tools because you can't experience everything that everybody's gone through. Right. Yeah. Right, right. But you should still be able to have the point of view that can sort of, because t- I think most, I think a lot of emo- I think most emotional struggles usually come from the same handful of it's for all the same of the emotions of, underneath of, of yeah. reasons. I hope, yeah, so, I would say so. Yeah, I mean it's it's almost like um, you know there are it's almost like DNA. There's like there's like a handful of base ingredients mm-hmm. just reconfigured in different ways, and it's, it's like true. sort of tearing through and going, okay, this is your configuration, and that's what these that's what these basic elements are. Yeah, and, and can, I felt that you feel scared. I felt scared. That's an emotion we've had in common. But the way you're feeling it very different than how I felt it. I had a client when I was an intern, best teacher I've ever had. He's like a seven year old boy. Same, I can't say his name. Uh, <laughs> but, but here's his Twitter account. Uh, yeah, he and he had been abused, uh, and we were going through like I was trying to take him through some relaxation stuff, and I was like, and he's African American young man, and I was like, so imagine yourself at the beach, and he was like, God, Miss Emily, why do white people always want me to go to the beach? I don't <laughs> like the beach, and I was like. Bing! That's it. That set off like, oh my god, you're right. That's where I would go if I wanted That's a relaxing scene. So fascinating. Scene. That's not where you would want to go. You were making it about yourself yeah. without realizing. Without it. even realizing, and without realizing, he was like, "All you white therapists I've had want me to go to the beach. I don't want to." And I was like, "Okay, where do you want to go?" He wanted to go to Disneyland. So we then set up a scene, which doesn't seem like a calm place to me. Very sorry, Matt. I love it. <laughs> But uh, he wanted to go to Disneyland. So then we reconstructed a whole thing based on Disneyland. And I was like, let me never forget this lesson of like, of you can't assume all anything. white people yeah. want to go to the beach. <laughs> <You> <laughs> and that young anything. 
was Bernie Mac. <laughs> God, how great. Having Bernie Mac as your client is a therapist. <laughs> what, if I don't, what if I don't understand that now whenever I see an African-American, I'm like thinking about Disneyland, you know? <laughs> like, nope, not no, today. No, no, not today. Not, not. Yep, you're racist in the other way. <laughs> you can be racist in two different ways. By the way, this kid was right. I would, ra- I would way rather go to Disneyland than the beach. Yeah, to, yeah. yeah. You're being that. racist as a Democrat. She was being racist as a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, just I just think, you know, the, the beach, it's like, it's sandy it's and it's yeah. hot. Yeah. And, you know, Disneyland is, is just... Although you don't always see it at Disneyland, but it should be pure joy. Should, but you yeah, see you a lot of exhausted families. And have you seen that blog of like angry celebrities at Disneyland? Oh my god! So no, great. look that up. Uh, it's either mad or sad celebrities Katie, at Disneyland. What are you doing? Get on there. And it's like Billy Corgan sitting on a on a and just like looking furious and upset that they're at Disneyland. Most likely they're upset that someone's taking their photo at Disneyland. Or maybe they're yeah. not even upset at all. It's just sort of like I mean, <laughs> resting I think, face. I think they just have like some people just have bored resting face. It's true. And that in a snapshot of a moment. That, you know, I think that's what some people who judge celebrities or judge anything based on one image, one picture, one sentence. It's like, look, dude, if someone followed you around all day long and cataloged everything you said, anything, there are so many times that a joke or an expression or something could be taken out of context. Oh, sure. And do you want to have your entire existence judged on us a half a second? Judged and destroyed. I mean, it's it's so ridiculous that that's how – that that's where people are at. We're at a very black and white place, black or white place in society of like, you either need to be good all the time or you need to, if you mess up once, you are dead. But good is actually, but good and bad, which are subjective, very subjective. terms. Yeah. And based on individual preferences, uh-huh. it's it's an impossible standard because you can't be good to everyone all the time. Yeah. You know? How I do mean, you deal with that? Um, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm pretty... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Katie just found I mean, the, he does look pretty upset, doesn't Katie he? Katie just found the vlog. Yeah. God That's bless the, Billy Corgan. Is that Big Thunder Mountain or is that the Snow White Mine Train? Okay. Okay. There's no, oh. a, quite a few of them. And I love... A, there's a picture of me one and... One of the Kardashians. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think... I don't know who that is. That's a... Uh, oh, she's a g- gorgeous model. I can't think of her name. Uh, Alice, yeah. Alessandra, yeah. That's Jennifer Garner looking upset. Wait, who was the one with the... Was that a Kardashian? I think that the, was a Kardashian. I think the goofy hat was. I think that that that's no. Oh, that was Beyonce. Yeah, was Beyonce. Oh, it was okay. <laughs> Has that ever been said on your podcast? The goofy hat was Beyonce. The goofy. <laughs> <laughs> you know that we normally can't recognize. And not, and not goofy as a colloquialism. It was literally goofy. She was wearing a goofy. Yeah, hat. she was yeah. literally wearing a goofy hat. But with it's the one teeth. of the few times that you won't be like, "Oh my God, that's Beyonce!" Immediately, <laughs> it's a goofy hat on Beyonce. <laughs> It's a great blog. I enjoyed myself thoroughly on that one. I like, I, I think it's great. Uh, when I have seen celebrities at theme parks, I, I love it. I love that they're like, no, fuck it. I, I need to still go to Disneyland. I think there is going to be some type of an emotional implosion at some point of everyone feeling, mm-hmm. and not just celebrities, but everyone's online, of everyone ultimately feeling on guard all the time and trying to monitor everything they do to be perfect. This goes back to yeah. being perfect or not perfect yeah. and not perfect is instant failure it's like yep. it's not it's fucking we're humans you yeah, know like we have to evolve if someone says something stupid don't fucking attack them ask them why they said it or get some context or try to understand but you know a, a fi- fighting you can't fight extremism with extremism you can't fight if you think someone is making a crazy statement you know Maybe it was taken out of context, or maybe they didn't yeah. really say it, or maybe there was a reason, or maybe you, you know, it's- or maybe they're a person that you never would have interacted with before if it, if there wasn't Twitter. There are horrible people in my hometown that say horrible things that I used to hear them say when I would be at the diner in my hometown. 
why do I give more credence to them now that they're typing it? Right. <laughs> like why people who say things that are against you or whatever, again, the opposite of what you believe are always going to exist. I don't know if we need to keep a catalog of them all the time. Like if someone's yell, if someone yells at me on Twitter and they, you know, are someone I've never met, never will meet. They don't like, or they're not on Twitter a ton. They just seem to only attack people on Twitter. Was I ever going to interact with you before Twitter? Was that ever going to be a thing where we'd have a I mean, moment side to side note, if you're ever going to hire me for a high-profile job, hire someone to go through my Twitter before you announce Cleanse my... it. Cleanse that <laughs> before, before you announce... I'm sure 2010 Matt was saying some real dumb shit. Oh, 2015 Matt says real dumb shit. <laughs> well, that, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing is that you can't, you know... You can't judge a person's entire existence based on one tweet yeah. or one joke or one because everyone says dumb things mm-hmm. at one time or another, and everyone—I mean, literally everyone—yeah. And, and but also this policing of, you know, it's sort of, sort of like that's an interesting metaphor looking at the Disneyland thing because that's kind of what our our cult, what what modern culture has become. It's we're all on this ride. And there are people in the back that you've never heard of that are looking like 50 rows ahead and going, hey, that guy's not enjoying this the same way that I am. Fuck him. It's like, well, you fucking pay attention to yourself. You know, yeah. you haven't seen your kids are in three days. Fun? Why don't you pay attention yeah. to your fucking kids? Why you know you what I mean? have a good time? Yeah, you don't need to police everyone else. Your information, sir. My wife is standing by at the child swap. Her turn is next. Now enjoy this. That was your context. That was the context that you needed. I like you know, that. I'm always a big fan of context, especially for things like that, because I watched people that I had sometimes respect for when I was growing up say horrible, sometimes racist, hateful things. And then when you talk to them, you see that they're scared. They're scared that the way that they thought the world works is different and they don't know what to do about it. And I was like, oh, you're, the fear makes sense to me. Like that, I get that. I get being afraid that things are changing. Change is scary. Now I just think people, now I think it's, it's unfortunately much more insidious and self-serving than I think people would realize. But yeah. running around and trying to call everyone out on stuff is is so is so much more selfish than it is altruistic because I think there are legitimately some people that want positive social change. And mm-hmm. I think those people go about it in positive ways, in constructive ways. They really do try to understand. But it feels like the majority of people just want to finger point yeah. and tear mm-hmm. down because it makes them feel better about themselves. And that is selfish. Yeah. That is inherently selfish. When you are trying to achieve significance through someone else's downfall, it yes. doesn't matter you know, if you think you're on the right side of the argument. That's mechanically is is a is a bad way to go it's not about. A good life. way to, to build good juju for yourself. Well, it also <laughs> it also just doesn't foster positivity. It yeah. doesn't foster learning. Like people don't learn when you yell at them. Yeah. People learn when you talk to them and tr- and try to understand, even if you don't agree with them. Rather than finger point, look at this fucking piece of shit. You know, I mean, you know, it, 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 comedy is comedy. It's silly. Like comedy is supposed to be satirical, but but people do that for serious. Yeah, like a lot. you know, there's a lot of things that we say on at midnight that I would never say in life, like to a real in a real situation to a real person. But you know, and but I feel like there's just so much aggre- there's just so much aggression of like there's so much there's so much barking now. And I wish I think that aggression could be really useful if pointed in a direction that is towards change rather than towards. Uh, 
and taking away of something. Right. So that I try to, when I'm having a, a day where I want to scream at everyone online, which happens all the time, uh, I don't, I intentionally don't let myself do it. And then I try to do something that is productive in some capacity. Uh, I'm a huge volunteering nerd. And I think it, to me, it eases all wounds and all like frustrations. Um, and I try to do it as much as I can. Uh, I donate money. If I'm super angry and I can't stop being angry, I donate money to someone that I, I believe is doing something good. Oh, what a great idea. Every single time, yeah, I yeah, I try to. It's I do an exchange. That's a positive way to use anger yeah. rather than I'm attacking. So fucking mad. And well, if you don't have the money, then have the time to do it. Like that, I I used to not have money to donate to stuff, and then I would donate my time. Like donate something of yourself that can help to people that you do like, rather than focusing on the people you don't I, like. I just I I it would just be nice, but I think most people don't have this level of awareness. But it would just be nice if the people who are constantly trying to tear down. Even if they think they're on the right side, so you, you, even if even if you agree with them, it's like, hey man, don't make enemies out of your allies. Yeah. Like, don't approach things that way. I, I wish people would understand that that kind of attacking, that type of tearing down, you know, like that doesn't count as your Doing community work. service. Right? That's You're, not volunteering. It's not volunteering. <laughs> yeah. You're not making the world a better place. Yeah. You're making the world a more aggressive place. Community service really is going out and donating your time, like sending a tweet. Yeah, fuck that guy. You know, like, fucking tear that thing down. Like, that doesn't count as your community service. That yeah. counts as you serving your own ego. You feel a little better. And I also think uh, it's easy to get caught in that loop because I feel like I've felt myself being pulled into it and being like, oh, shit. Like, this could happen to anybody. I feel like even really, really good people have gotten sucked into this, like, kind of negativity, calling other people out. Really amazing, smart, wonderful, aware people have gotten pulled into it. Um, and I wonder if some of them have that same thing you were talking about of that addiction to drama. Sure. Yeah. Well, it, it's just that if you if you don't feel significant, that ever everyone wants significance in some way or another. Absolutely. I feel like part of part of life, and even when you look at biologically, you do know, I like, matter? You do I matter? Because you know, uh, when you break it down, of course, at the very basic level, we are beings who ultimately want uh, want to live on in some way is it through genetics or is it through, do we want to pass our genes down do we want to pass our ideas down but i feel like we would not Your exist genes as a species won't fit me. i feel like we good ad i feel like we would not exist as a species if we uh if we didn't have this desire to thrive mm -hmm. in some way yeah. and so i feel like that expresses itself no the neanderthals had that thrive guys and we fucking wiped them <laughs> off the face of the earth because yeah. they were wrong Can hashtag cancel neanderthals their, their they art looked was different, not good their art was not good bad art destroyed them <laughs> yeah america did this to you neanderthals i mean if they put emojis up on those walls oh damn We'd that's the only way they could them. communicate was through emoji <laughs> Uh, Good ad, Matt. A lot of eggplant emojis oh, so in the many. Neanderthals. Yeah. So many. Yeah. But, um, uh, uh, but I think that uh, part of it is just trying to establish some type of I matter. I, I am significant. I, and, and I understand the you – know, I, I certainly understand the desire to do that, the urge to do that. But I don't think that's the right way to go about it. There's think, a lot of ways to be significant. I think that's what another thing people don't – they think they need to be famous in this town specifically. People think they need to be famous to be significant. That's not true in the slightest. Well, I also think what we were talking about earlier is that you know, change through aggression is the same type of thing as like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to all of a sudden work out 10 times a week. I'm gonna, yeah. It's like that is an extreme. I think real lasting change is, 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 is calm and incremental mm -hmm. and 
and understanding. It's passionate, and, but perhaps not aggressive. Well, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, no one, even if you force someone to believe, even if you force someone to go, okay, fine, you're right. They're, they don't, they're not gonna, like, they're just gonna resent you. You know what I mean? That's like forcing someone to stay with you who wants to break up with you. Do you know those people? Yes. I always talk to people like, how can I make them stay with me? Like, do you want to be with someone who, like, you're forcing to stay with you? But then I win. (laughs) What are you winning? Like, think about your ultimate goal here. What is it that you want? Uh, Yeah, you may not know at this point because you can't force someone to be in love with you. Damn it. Yeah. It's a bummer. Yeah. I wish you could. I don't know Tom if you want to, though. I don't know if you... Look you'd... up. Look up. <laughs> You're married. Uh... Great. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Great point. So happily. <laughs> but that... <laughs> very, very happily. And I'm not even into white dudes, really. But that white dude... Man. I just saw two movies with him in it this weekend. He's the one white dude. Yeah. He's the one white dude. What about Hardy? Yeah, he's probably at the beach. Uh, I hope not. Don't don't lose that white skin, that milky white skin, Tom. He's definitely not at the beach. He's British. He's definitely not at the beach. Uh, Hardy? Yeah, all right. It's all right. You're awesome. When I saw him freelance rap that one time on camera, I was like, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, he saw his MySpace Freelance rap. Freelance? Thank you. <laughs> no, you no, 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 no. He doesn't he have goes a label. He doesn't have one he boss. He doesn't have a label. He, he raps for... Yeah, he's, he's like, a let freelance. me turn in my W9 and then we can start. <laughs> I will invoice you for this oh, rap I, later. Oh, I needed to bring my ID to drop these sick beats. <laughs> How many dependents do I have? Uh, could you pay my S-Corp? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to kick him out of bed for eating crackers or whatever, but, you know. What rhymes with S-Corp? <laughs> Nest-Corp? Nope, not nope, at all. doesn't work. Nope, Shit, not I'm at all. bad freelance rapper. <laughs> bad. Oh, I'm no good at that. Uh, that would be great. We're still trying to come up Winthrop? with puns, all of us are, I can tell. But you're, uh... Mm. uh Emily, we're at an hour. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. We're going to have to, we're gonna have to pick this up next week. <laughs> I do feel like sometimes these podcasts are like therapy sessions, but it's good, you know, it's like, and because, you know, I think we're all trying to learn about ourselves in as much as we're trying to discover things, help discover things for other people. But um, I am I am actually very excited to read your book oh, thank you. because uh, I've always had such great affection for you. You're such a kind, gentle, wonderful person to be around Aww. and also someone who is very uncomfortable with compliments. You I should am. have seen her when we did the uh, – when, when I dropped in a meltdown – and someone who was on stage promoting your book. Joan and Camille constantly are on stage promoting. She my was book. so flustered and like, "Stop it! Don't! I gotta learn how to take compliments." I'm like genuinely, I'm very southern in that way that I'm like, if you compliment me, I'll be like, "Oh well, I don't know. I don't think so." Should I bring you up on stage? You tell me, no, no, no. Don't you dare! I'm getting better at that. I'm getting more and more comfortable with it. But yes, uh, thank you, thank but, you for the but nice I, things I, you said. I think I think for a very uh, for a very constructive and 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 warm, sincere book in in sort of real terms uh i think people should check out your check out super you and and follow you on the appropriate platforms the gynomite g-y-n-o-m-i-t-e that is correct did you ever explain you i know you explained to me why you picked i that. uh used to do burlesque dancing and that was my burlesque name are you serious <laughs> I didn't know that. Dynamite! You have to say it like that. Oh my god, yeah. that's fantastic. That was, yeah, and my dance. You've had the most interesting life of anyone I've ever met. You were a therapist and you dated circus and you were burlesque and you're married to a comic yeah. and you book a comedy show and you do a video game podcast so many and you wrote things. a this is fucking So many things. You're 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 the perfect example of like what 
what it means to be in our culture of like being able to do a lot of different things, you know, and not have to just stick to one thing and then integrate all of those things. The best I can. I don't really, I don't burlesque dance at all anymore. My teacher, when I told her what my name was going to be, everybody else was like Vivian Lesex or whatever. <laughs> and and I'm sure that was an actual one. And she was like, um, that's a little too jokey. And I was like, I'm sorry, that's my name. Vivian Lesex. <laughs> I have so much respect for the art of burlesque. And my teacher uh, is an am- was an amazing woman, and I haven't done it since then because she was so good. I haven't found anybody. To what is the it. underlying? What is the essence of good burlesque? It's a tease. It's not about how much skin you show. It's about the fact that you are making the audience want you to take it off, and you are taking your fucking time with it. It helped me a lot, and I recommend to all girls get into a burlesque class to rediscover, to understand your sexuality in a way that belongs to you and nobody else. Because you're dancing only for you, especially when you're in the classes. You aren't dancing for dudes. Because you're only giving people what they want when you feel like it. Absolutely. Right. And it was like, oh, my sex, my sexuality can exist without it, a dude being present. It doesn't right. have to have a dude there. He can, it can just be mine. It doesn't uh, have to belong to anybody else. Dudes have known that for years. <laughs> We jerk off a lot. Yeah, dudes, and I do think dudes have more of a sense of like, this is mine and I will give it to you. Whereas ladies are like, I'll just be waiting here for when you're ready to let me. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm curious. Is it, is, uh, is men, I mean, everyone has, is, is different, but do women ever go, uh, I'm really bored. I guess I could jerk off. You know what I mean? I like, do. What if, if I'm, if Camille's out of town, <laughs> it's the same thing as anybody else where it's like, well, I guess I'll do that. <laughs> Maybe I'll figure out something to write or something. I don't know. Maybe I'll go for a walk. It's the same. Best way to work through writer's block. That's right. Yeah. Then I'll figure out. Then we'll get a pizza. I don't Uh, know. uh, Maybe I'll work out or Uh, something. Okay, good. I'm glad. Sandwiches from the coffee beans. Because, you know. My, my 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 question was unfortunately male and tone deaf, and I, but I, but I just have never asked, I've never asked yeah. any, I've never asked that question. A before. lot of ladies I know, we all a lot of us have the same like. Well, especially I could do that. Yeah, for me it's like it's when Kumail's not there, but for my especially my single lady friends are like, well, that's how you start the day. You yeah. got to clear the chambers and then you get to work. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never. Yeah. All right. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> You can also find me on Tumblr <laughs> at uh, emilyvgordon.tumblr.com. That's fantastic. <laughs> what a great idea. Oh, wow, it's the best. Wait, you don't do what that? What a great no, idea. Yeah. What do you mean? I'm just so busy in the morning. I don't, I don't Chris, have time. you're not masturbating in the morning? No. This might explain a lot. Chris, I feel like you you're going to have a better day. in the morning. Oh, you're my God. Everyone's doing day. it, you guys. <laughs> Everyone's doing it. You can't crank one off of the toilet while you're waiting. To get- <laughs> well, <laughs> right then, make it sound too far. Make Myra. it sound so. I'm just trying to find time for him. <laughs> <laughs> Guys got a shit right. Yeah. You can't do that at the same time, can you? <laughs> oh, Guys can't. Oh, oh, that makes it so. That makes it so veterinary. <laughs> it's just like uh, it's just like. <laughs> I don't want to know that you can do this. Oh, it all out. Gonna let's see. First, we'll express Get your anal sacs, and then we'll then we'll clean out the testicular pipes. I don't think I could get off if I smelled poo. <laughs> I don't think that. Matt, I, I think you may Flush have a. It. It doesn't just go away. Thank you. It does. <laughs> Unless Matt's ejaculate smells like shit. <laughs> Maybe that's the only thing it is. Oh, God. We've got Dory on the line. Dory. Uh... <laughs> she doesn't know. I'm Catholic. Oh, good point. Good point. I look forward to you guys figuring that out in a couple look weeks. Look forward to the wedding night, guys. Ooh, yeah. boy. Honey, I'm going to go... Uh... I'm gonna, I'm gonna clear all the chambers. I'm gonna go do a real quick shit come, and then I'll come right back. It's <laughs> so gross. Coming on shit, shitting on come. Well, this took a good turn. <laughs> We're so 
wasn't serum. Then we just went straight to shit cum. The book is super you. Now available wherever books are sold. No, I, books just, are I just sold. want you to find the time. I just promise me tomorrow that when I see you, I'm too sleepy in the morning. Like I'm too, like I have too many things in the day. Don't you wake up with a fucking divining rod? Oh man, you know can't look anybody in the eye. (laughs) When you look at Scout, (laughs) 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 legitimately looks away in the most sincere. Like, oh man, now I gotta. Ah. What kind of desk is this? Where is this from? This you know, my great. days when I wake up, just like the emails come in and I instantly have to, you know, like just start dealing Leave with the phone out with, of the room. With take stuff. a minute. Yeah, I would say Leave take a minute in the, the morning. You do you. Literally. You do you. Uh, all right. Give it a try. Let us know. Give it a whirl. I'm, I'm not 100% convinced I'm going to report <laughs> back on this. A whirl. Don't need to. Don't need no, to know. We'll know by your change we'll in see, demeanor. You see the look in your eyes. Hey, guys. Everything's just so chill, isn't it? <laughs> what a great day this is. Hey, man. What if this has been your, your why you're wound up all <laughs> the time? You just had no every idea. Incremental change. Yeah, yeah exactly. If you just jerk off one morning a week, then it could become two mornings, then five mornings. <laughs> Then all day. Oh man! Oh my God! What if what if I just become like a like a like a heroin addict and it's just I yeah just, I don't want that. Okay, just, at midnight. I'm sorry, I didn't suggest it. It was more Matt Myra that suggested it. In this jerk say. chamber where there's just all these conspiracy theories written in cum all over the walls and all these charts and geometric formulas. Guys, oh boy. guys, guys! I got it. One of the filthiest human beings I've ever met in my whole life. That's always my favorite thing about you. What, me? <laughs> yeah. Matt's the one who shits while he jerks off. That's true. That's no, true. it was merely a suggestion. It can be done. <laughs> you haven't done it. You, uh, you've done it. Of course. All right, then. We've all Not done it. We haven't all done it. We've I think we've proven today that Kyle we haven't all done it. it. Katie's doing no! it right now. No! <laughs> Stop it. Scout. Scout's doing it. Scout does it constantly. What a, what a great idea, <laughs> says Scout. Is that Scout's voice? That's Scout's voice. Okay. No. I don't know. That was more of a cat voice, I think. Oh, you're right. That was more of a cat voice. More of a meow. I think he's, I think Scout's, she's got a, like a, hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. For a cat, it, like, I, don't, I don't think a cat's rubbing one out in a litter box. Like, that just feels... No, certainly not. It's too grainy in there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what cats do. Good point. Not a cat guy. Great picture of Scout reading my book, by the way. That was really lovely. That was a lovely thing. Well, congratulations again. Thank you. And please uh, come back again soon. And sure. I always adore hanging out with you. And so we'll... We'll have some pool parties over at my house, and then, uh, uh, but we'll but we'll do it in the afternoon, not in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be busy. I'll be. I'm busy. We every, show up early every, and just standing outside. Nearly every pool party she had this summer, I was somehow out of town. Yeah, you're always out of town. I feel like. I don't God, know. I'm gonna have to get a new iCal color to just put the time pool blue. <laughs> no, not that. Oh. Oh, the <laughs> masturbation. You're already looking to schedule off it. Off-white? <laughs> off-white, yeah. The off-white. All right, guys. You've been great. I got to go. I got to go. <laughs> Can you schedule things on, on iCal in increments of like four minutes, or does it have to be 15? That's a great question. I think 15. Uh, Take some time with yourself, though. Yeah, you're right. No, we all do it in like, it's like a oh, two minute. it takes two and a half minutes. Yeah, there's all no. Right. If that. Good. All right, good. Well, we solved a lot of things, and uh, I adore all of you. And, it might uh, take you a little longer the first time, but as the Romancing the stone. <laughs> hey, I'm going to be... <laughs> I, I don't even know where that came from. All right, then. <laughs> I think the stone would be it's the It's really hard to find DeVito, if you know what I mean. Come on, guys. Huh? 
Come on. I thought that was the sexiest movie. I had such a crush on Billy Ocean, too. It was so weird. Really? Yeah. My first real crush was Billy Ocean. I don't get That's it. That's so interesting. Yeah. Why? What do you mean you don't get it? He was constantly asking you to get out of his dreams. I don't and into his car. He was a handsome dude. I just and was Caribbean like, why Queen? this guy? Why was it this guy? Of all the people that maybe were closer to my age, but Billy I, Ocean? Listen, I don't, I don't think I've heard anyone say, you know, Romancing the Stone was great. I am totally had a crush on Billy Ocean <laughs> from that. My, like first, the, uh, my first was Gina Davis. <laughs> that and, makes sense. Um, a League of Their Own. Oh, so gorgeous. And everybody, the makeup and hair was so on point in that movie. Something about baseball and... I yeah. gotta say, I think even older heads. Gina Davis in that was pretty, pretty, pretty... I, when I she was, was the old lady? Treasure. Yeah. All right, then. Oh, I yes, really... It was a different woman. It was a different woman, but she... Yeah. Wait, was it? Was it? Yes. yes. Okay, I should go back and rewatch that. I know that. that. I've talked to Penny Marshall about it. Oh. oh. Right. Just kidding. <laughs> Madonna was on the movie? I read her book. So many great hots in that movie. So reading a book means you're like talking to a person, so read Super You and talk to Emily. <laughs> hey, That's right. Have a conversation with me. Go and then uh, <laughs> off after. Enjoy your morning masturbation burrito. Poop. <laughs> <laughs> We had been doing so well of not being dirty, and then we just did it all. The Nerdist Podcast really outdid itself this time. Let me tell you something. That was great. (laughs) Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. 